0: This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. Experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots. I'm James Heal I'm joined today by Katie Balls and Fraser Nelson. Now, Katie, the big round dominating Labour at the moment is his praise for Margaret Thatcher from Keir Starmer in an op-ed for Sunday Telegraph. Talk us through this round.
1: So this is something Keir Starmer has done a few times, which is uh, on a weekend when his team want to make news, they write an op-ed for the Telegraph. Obviously, Keir Starmer writes every word himself and it plays to the right, it pitches to the right audience and it's ultimately Keir Starmer showing some leg and everyone says, oh, look... Labour parking their tanks on Tory lawns. What's happened this weekend is he's decided to use the opportunity to praise Thatcher. So he said in his Sunday Telegraph article that every moment of meaningful change in modern British politics begins with the realisation that politics must act in service of the British people rather than dictating to them. Margaret Thatcher sought to drag Britain out of its stupor by setting loose our natural entrepreneurialism. Now, he went on to then also talk about Tony Blair being such, Clement Attlee being such, but as much as some of the left it in time for Tony Blair, clearly the most controversial is Margaret Thatcher. Then uh, on Radio 4, when he was asked about it at the weekend, he stressed that he admired Thatcher's sense of purpose, saying Thatcher did have a plan for entrepreneurialism, she had a mission. It doesn't mean I agree with what she did, but I don't think anybody could suggest that she didn't have a driving sense of purpose. Now, Clearly, the article article's meant to grab attention and mm. it has succeeded in doing so. I think the question is, is this a genius piece of politics, which means that we're starting the week talking about Keir Starmer and the fact he's reaching out to voters on the right? Or is it one that actually does upset his own base to the point that they have misfired it? And Pam McFadden has been out, sent out, obviously, the Labour's campaign coordinator this morning to go and do the rounds and... Clearly, ahead he of the speech Keir Starmer's giving later today on the economy, uh, saying you know, Labour wouldn't turn spend spending taps on, something Pat McFadden has experienced of saying from his time as Shadow Chief Secretary. He's instead talking about Thatcher, and he said you know, he wouldn't have used the words that Keir Starmer did. I think Kate Burley asked him, well, what words would you use? And he said successful, which is just factual, really. Um, so I think there is, there is unhappiness. And I think the question is, sometimes one of the biggest criticisms of Keir Starmer is this sense that people don't know what his true beliefs are. Mm-hmm. If you look at what he said during the Labour leadership contest of selling very Corbynite embracing him most of those policies have been junked and therefore I think if you go too far one way it can also it can just add to a sense that you are potentially someone who's insincere can you really go from the leadership to then saying that about Thatcher that said it doesn't seem to be hurting Keir Starmer in the polls Mm.
0: he's over 20 points ahead yeah Fraser is it a bad thing that we're now talking about Keir Starmer's praise of Margaret Thatcher is it a bad thing that Labour are going out on the airwaves and talking about Thatcher
2: um, no, this is a great thing of her. Starmer. what he has said was utterly uncontroversial. That she was a decisive woman and knew what she wanted. You know, the fact that he didn't um, condemn her as a witch is what seems to have angered his party. So this creates the row that he wants, and. Um at the moment he will become Prime Minister if he manages to persuade voters that we don't have to be scared of him. For a long, long time, Conservatives had relied not upon their own ideas, but on fear of a Labour Party to fight general elections. Remove that fear and the Tories don't have very much left right now. So Starmer has he hasn't had to adopt any Thatcherite policy. All he's had to do is just to is to talk about her, her strength of purpose and say he seeks to emulate it, and he has the row that he wants. Perhaps more significant is what we hear from Rachel Reeves, that the next Labour government isn't going to spend particularly much. Now again, this is um, this is significant because they will inherit a system where the tax burden is expected to rise from 36% of GDP to 38 In other words, they're going to inherit a plan to increase spending, to increase tax it's difficult for them to increase it much more um, and find that politically acceptable. So they're stating the obvious, really, that they have no intention of moving the dial much beyond the the Tory legacy of the highest taxes in the post-war years and one of the highest spending per capita in British history. So, again, while not a great policy difference, the verbal positioning sounds a lot. So this sounds a lot like Tony Blair saying in opposition, look... I'm not going to mess with the Thatcher settlement. I'm going to look after it. You can trust me with the Thatcher settlement. So that's what voters are hearing, or that's what the public is hearing, even though that's not exactly what Starmer is saying. In that regard, it's a PR success for Starmer.
0: And Katie, away from Keir Starmer's uh, pros and cons, one person who has had a bit of a bad day is the Prime Minister, according to the new Conservative Home rankings, which show that Rishi Sunak is now enjoying his lowest rankings on record. He's now the bottom of his own cabinet. Talk us through this.
1: Yes, it's a bad day for Rishi It It's only just beginning because we're speaking in the morning. So, latest um, con-home league table. Now, obviously they go up and down, so I think uh Richard has been in the negative before then when he did the net zero pivot he went back up into the positive this time around he is um, you know at the bottom minus 25 jeremy hunt minus 13 i think after quite a difficult few months uh, and recent weeks for the tory party there is a bit of a sense of despair at the moment and i think that's partly because everyone is gearing up for this autumn change and they had all these events and i think in a way while some individual ones such as net zero had a bit of a boost with the membership at least um there's been a times when the poly just slightly narrowed, clearly nothing has been a sustainable trend and therefore everyone's asking what events are there left that are going to do that also if you look at this uh you know lord cameron he's on minus five so it's not this you know huge throw to the to the membership by bringing him back though i don't think that was the main reason it was done so i think it was um various other logistics and things they were trying to do but i think one of the problems now if you speak to people about you know why are they you know tory mp's ministers about why they're feeling quite low about things is they just think you know They've just thrown lots of strategies out there and not one has worked. And I think this changing and trying different things and nothing having that impact is leaving some MPs and some ministers even in the sense that there isn't a clear strategy. And that is more worrying, I think, than having one that doesn't work. Looking at the polling, I think probably the thing that caught most caught my eye, though, which I think we did predict on this podcast, is that James Cleverley has, had a very brief period at the top. One month. <laughs> one month. He had one month at the top of that con-home league table when he was foreign secretary. and Now he's pretty far down. Um, and... <laughs> (laughs) And that is a a fall from grace, but one that I think we could have expected because since he took on that role, he has had various gaffes and also some of it he would have expected because he hasn't been saying the things that I think the right of the party would want to hear when it comes to the ECHR and when it comes to the Rwanda policy. He sounded a lot more in the middle of the party than when Suala Brabham was there. And that means I do think you'll probably like you less well in these pollings.
2: Perhaps one of the most alarming polls for Rishi Sunak should be the satisfaction with prime ministers. Um, That's a poll we keep a track on in the Spectator Data Hub and it shows basically one of the great truths of politics, that you start off quite popular because you've just won an election and you steadily expend capital throughout your premiership and when you get sufficiently unpopular you have to walk the plank. Now Blair, for example, started on a net approval of plus 60 but ended up on minus 25. Um, Brown started off on plus 20, ended up at minus twenty five Cameron started off plus twenty five ended up minus forty. Theresa May ended up minus forty three Boris Johnson ended up minus forty five and Rishi Sunak is already at minus forty five so that means he's hit a depth of unpopularity that Blair or Brown never reached that Cameron never reached that Theresa May never reached, and he actually never started above water. He had a net negative approval rating for the moment he became prime minister, which isn't so surprising when you have to remember that he didn't win a general election. He didn't even win a Tory leadership election. So it's Also
1: what he inherited, right? Oh, well, yeah, sure. Like, in, I think one of the, I would say to that, he obviously didn't win the membership, but he also did become prime minister straight after a potential economic meltdown where the Tories were at a pretty low point.
2: Yeah, you could say that his mission was a very difficult one from the get-go, Then that his popularity still does run a bit ahead of his party, but not as much as it once did. And when you look at the um, the names to succeed him in what people expect to be leadership election um, after the election, we're looking at the top four names, kami Badnach, James Cleverly, Penny Morton, and Suella Braverman, but I notice a new contender emerging at number five, David Cameron. Now, <laughs> imagine that's... Um, Form of history repeating. It's a stretch, but we are living in very un- unpredictable times. And uh, talking of James Cleverly there,
0: finally, KT, expect to be a big day for him in the Home Office. KT, tell us what's happening.
1: So, we could be getting more today on what they actually plan to do to try and curb legal migration. So, that would be salary thresholds. So, we had a his predecessor, called for 40,000 uh, being where you set the threshold. And um, the talking government, it could be 38,000. There's also the illegal uh, boats situation ongoing. And I think you could have a treaty to rwanda a new treaty after some money has been spent um so i'm gonna announce this week but i think the thing to really keep an eye on when it comes to the small boats is the legislation they promised to bring to the house now number 10 are very much saying we are ambitious to do this before christmas but there's internal debate so could that be pushed to potentially next week or even you know the very last days before christmas it's possible
0: thank you katie thank you fraser thank you for listening to Coffee House shots
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.